0: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Today's topic, leadership. Lead rather than follow. Run into the storm rather than away from it. Be willing to lose a few battles for the sake of the war. Never give up, fight. Today I'd like to talk to you about the 10 key lessons I learned while serving as a college president for 17 years. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. Well, today is the day. It's April 13th, and as you know, if you have been listening to this show for the last several weeks, I have been shamelessly guilty of the sin of self-promotion. And I'm grateful that you have decided to bear with me on that. My book, Grow Up, Life is Not Safe, But It's Good, is released today. Today's the day, April 13th, Regnery Publishing is releasing Grow Up, Life is Not Safe, But It's Good, today. So you can go purchase it at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Target, any online bookstore carries Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. As I mentioned to you in a previous show, after my time on Fox & Friends this past Sunday morning, it shot up to the number one new release... In its category, politics, conservative, and liberal, that category, it was the number one new release for a period of time after my appearance on Fox & Friends. So apparently there are a few people out there that care, and I hope that those of you listening right now are among them. One of the chapters in my book is on leadership, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Leadership. The lessons I learned about leadership the lessons I learned through success and failure in leadership as I served as a university president for some 17 years and as a vice president for some, oh, nearly 15 to 20 years prior to that. I'd like to talk to you about what it means to be a leader rather than a follower. In fact, this is probably one of the most important chapters out of my book, Grow Up. If you were to ask me why should I buy it, I'd say buy it for that reason. Buy it for the reason of leadership. And I don't mean to run a company or run a college or run a university. I mean to run life. I mean to run your family. I mean to function as an adult in a world that's lost its mind. Like I said, in a world that looks more like a daycare on a daily basis. In a world that's willing to just bow the knee every time somebody threatens your safety. In a world that can't understand stand, that first things need to be first if you're ever going to have them. And if you keep putting second things first, you're not going to get anything. You're not going to get the second or the first. And if we start reversing equations like give me liberty and give me death to things like I fear death, so take my liberty, then we're going to be a nation that's totally lost. And I fear that we're on the verge of that right now. And the solution for that is God's grace. Yes, God's grace. But the solution is for us to be obedient so that he can be gracious to us. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. Oh, I understand. I'm not, I've said before, you're not saved by your works. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. But Jesus then turns around and says, those who love me will obey me. Paul tells us that it's by grace that we're saved through faith, and Jesus tells us the same, that it's God's grace. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't earn your way to much of anything, even in the temporal things here on earth. It's grace. It's the grace of the coach that puts you in the game. Very few of us, very few of us deserve any playing time. Almost all of us are Rudys, aren't we? We're too small. We don't have the ability. We may not have the intelligence. We don't have the physical prowess. We don't belong on the field. But through tenacity, through obedience, through listening to the coach, through going to practice, through getting beat up day after day after day, being willing to run into the storm, being willing to be put on our back, being willing to get bloodied and bruised, maybe, just maybe, after going through that day in and day out, the coach will be watching and there will come a time where he will tap us on the shoulder and put us in the game And we actually experience the joy that never would have come about had we not been willing to sacrifice. Had we not been willing to essentially lead. The story of Rudy is a story of a leader. Now many people watch that movie and they don't see it that way. But he refused to follow. He refused to follow those that said he wasn't ever going to succeed. He refused to follow his brother who mocked and maligned him. He refused... To follow his dad who doubted him. He refused to follow his teammates who laughed at him. He refused to follow his teachers who said he didn't have the cognitive, the intellectual ability to even succeed in college, let alone on the football field. He refused, in a sense, to even accept the coach's judgment of him, the coach's assessment of him. Rudy refused to follow any of this. He led. He led with confidence he led with courage. He fought on the beaches. He fought in the air. He fought. He fought. He fought. He never gave in. Rudy is essentially a story of a Churchill. Churchill was, by all appearances, a man that wasn't fit for the role either. Not physically attractive. He had his failures up and down. Oh, he had a bit of a silver spoon in his mouth, I suppose, because he was born into wealth. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to save the free world. Obviously, Chamberlain's ideas were very different than Churchill's. Churchill's were ideas of leadership. Chamberlain's ideas were those of appeasement to follow, to go with the flow, appease the storm. Set your sails with the wind and let the storm of Nazi socialism just carry you along. We can live with this. Churchill said, no, we will not appease this evil. We will fight it. And he led. So today's topic is leadership. Leadership. Let's take a break before we get into those 10 lessons of leadership, which are contained in my book, Grow Up. Life is not safe, but it's good. You can purchase it again today. It is released today, April 13th. Please go and do so. Please. That's the best thing you can do to support the rebellion is go purchase that book. It was released, number one. It was actually number four in all of the books in that category. The day the day it was uh, the day after I was on Fox News. And today, if all of you will go out and purchase one, two, three, four copies, five copies, why would you get more than one? We'll give them away for commencement gifts, graduation gifts. Surely you all have kids, grandkids, nieces and nephews, friends at church that need a copy of this book as they graduate and move on to higher levels of achievement in life. You know what that's called? That's called growing up. For all of us. This isn't just a book for the 18, 19-year-old. This isn't a book for the 20, 22-year-old. This is a book for the 52-year-old and 62-year-old. This is a book of solutions. This is a book that teaches us that life isn't safe, but it's good. This is a book that teaches us how to lead rather than follow. Let's acknowledge our corporate sponsors that take care of us and support us. And when we get back, we'll talk more about leadership and growing up. I'm Dr. Everett Piper. This is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. Again, I'm very grateful to all of you for putting up with my promotion of the book. Obviously, when anyone takes time to write a book, they want it to be successful. And I appreciate all of you bearing with me as I've pushed this and promoted it. And uh, I'm grateful for your support, so thank you. So, if you were to ask me, why go buy your book? You've told us a hundred times on Richard Weaver that you don't need to read the book, just read the cover. You've said that a good title always captures the nature of the book and that you kind of shouldn't have to read the book if, you, if the author is um, sharp enough to actually stumble across a title that tells you exactly what he's trying to say. And I would argue that this book does that. Uh, Life is not safe, but it's good. Just digest that for a while. Stew over those words for a while. And because you've listened to this show for some time, you recognize, you understand exactly what I'm saying. Life isn't supposed to be safe. It's good. Get back on the the horse. Um, No pain, no gain. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. It's the same axiom over and over again. It's the axiom of leadership. Run into the storm. Don't run away from it. If you aren't leading, then no one is following. These are simple truths that have been understood over the ages because they're true. Well, in my book, Grow Up, Chapter 20, it's actually a book of 20 lessons, 20 solutions on the mess that we find ourselves in. It's not a book of bemoaning the problem. We've done enough of that. I've done enough of that. I did it in my book, Not a Daycare. I whined a bit. I complained a bit. I shouted from the rooftops. Can you believe we've actually come to this place of microaggressions and trigger warnings and whining and pouting by college students when they head off to university that they want to be safe, that they should be free from any intimidation of a conflicting or contrary idea? That was the nature of my book, Not a Daycare. Well, in Grow Up, I retell that story briefly in the introduction, but then I say, let's stop bemoaning the problem. Let's talk about solutions. So the rest of the book is 20 lessons on how to grow up and function like a mature human being in a world that's lost its mind, in a world that will cower in the corner like a bunch of scared little children just because they're afraid of getting sick and allow Oligarchs in Washington, D.C., in the European Union, or wherever else they seem to be hiding in their smoke-filled rooms while they're laughing at us, recognizing that all they need to do to get us to obey their every wish, their every whim, their every dream of dominance over us is to tell us we might get sick. That's not maturity, folks. That's childish. That's acting like an infant. Well... The 10 lessons I learned on leadership, the first lesson I learned as a result of being a university president for years and years, 17 to be exact, is that if you inherit failure, break it. Lesson number one in leadership is if you inherit an organization, a church, a company, a business, a college that is a failure, it's actually a gift. You can do a lot of things. If your company, your organization, your college, your business, your church has not been successful. You can lead in a dynamic and dramatically different way if you're taking over the helm of a sinking ship. They'll let you do a lot of stuff that they would never let you do if the organization was healthy. But here's the first thing you need to learn when you inherit that sinking ship, when you inherit failure. Don't keep doing the exact same things. You need to break the organization. If you inherit failure, break it and start over. Come up with something new. Go a different direction. A sinking ship needs to be patched and repaired, and then guess what? You need to turn it around and go the opposite direction because it's sinking because it's probably hitting the reefs. You need to turn it around. So if you inherit failure, break the organization and start over. Never let a good crisis go to waste. That's the one thing that Barack Obama and Rahm Emanuel said that I agree with. Take advantage of the crisis. Break the organization. Do something different. Develop a new plan. Don't waste the opportunity. Lead. The second lesson I learned is that if you inherit success, don't break it. Okay? So if you inherit an organization that's successful, recognize that your predecessor might have actually known something. He might be a little bit better at this job than you are. Recognize that you've got big shoes to fill. Don't come in all high and mighty thinking that you need to develop the new fill-in-the-blank. If the organization that you just inherited doesn't need to be new. Don't be a little Napoleon. Don't break everything just because your ego needs to be stroked. So lesson number one, if you inherit failure, break the organization. Start over. Turn it around. Go a different direction. Don't let the crisis go to waste. But lesson number two is the opposite. If you inherit success, don't break it. Recognize that the guy before you might have actually Known what he was doing and might be better than you. Lesson number three. If you want to make everybody happy, don't be a leader. (laughs) Choose to do something different. If you're a friend to all and an enemy to none, then you're leading no one. The best coach I ever had made it very clear to me that he was not my friend, that he was my coach. He understood the difference. He understood the difference. So, lesson number three is if you want to be a leader, and if you want to make everybody happy, then you're in the wrong profession. If you want to make everybody happy, don't be a leader. Do something different. The, pur- the, excuse me, the pursuit of popularity is a waste of time. Lesson number four. The fourth lesson I learned of leadership is never bow the knee to the rage mob. You've heard me say this over and over again. In fact, Paul says it. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. Paul gives us an example of this. It's better to lose your head than to lose your soul. Conviction is respected. Weakness is not. So the fourth lesson is never bend the knee. Never bow the knee to the mob. Because when you bow, you're there excuse me, when you bow your knee, they will have your head. Conviction is respected. Weakness is not. Donald Trump, for all of his picadillos, refused to bow the knee, and that's why he had... I'm going to say it. A lot of people that don't agree with Donald Trump will say he never earned their respect. In a sense, he did. Even... the. Even for those that disagreed with him, he earned their respect. Why do you think nobody attacked us while he was president? They respected him. They revered him. Oh, they may have thought very poorly of him, but he had their respect. He, car- he, he carried a big stick, and everybody was afraid that he'd use it because he refused to bow the knee. So to repeat, lesson number one is if you inherit failure, break it and start over. Lesson number two is if you inherit success, don't break it. Recognize the guy before, you probably knew something more than you do. He might be better than you. Lesson number three is if you want to make everybody happy, don't be a leader. The pursuit of popularity is a waste of time. Lesson number four, never bow the knee to the mob. Because if you do, they'll have your head. Conviction is respected. Weakness is not. Lesson number five is that truth matters most. Demand truth, defend it, model it, never compromise it, never supplant it. Truth must always be your first thing, your sumum bonum. Without truth, there is no trust. Without truth, you will have no team. If there is no truth, if there is no truth, then there will be no trust. You have to be a person that waves the banner of truth. Never compromise it. In the mission of my university that I wrote after I was hired, when it was in financial exigency and 12 months away from bankruptcy, the mission, as you've heard it before, was the primacy of Christ. But the second pillar of that mission statement was the priority of Scripture. And then the third was the pursuit of truth. Truth, an objective reality that would never change, never bend to the mob, never appease, never compromise. Truth. Lesson number six. If you're not willing to lose the battle, you'll never win the war. Be willing to lose. You've heard me tell the story of when I took the helm of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. I was once asked by a person that was a little suspicious of the cause of what I was doing there. And I said to him, Look, we're going to wave the banner. Now, our banner had printed on it the truth of Christ and the truth of Scripture. That was the banner I chose to wave. And I said to this man, I'm going to wave that banner of the primacy of Jesus Christ, the priority of Scripture, the pursuit of truth, and the practice of wisdom. I will wave that banner, sir, without apology. And if I lose waving that banner, I don't care. It's the right banner to wave. I'm willing to go down fighting. And those words, by God's grace, again, not my prowess, because frankly, I've never thought I was really that polished. I look at other leaders that have tremendous gifts, and I would just give my right arm for those talents and those abilities and those skills. I don't necessarily think I have them. But what I do have is a bull-headed determination to fight. An orneriness. A boxer's mentality, if you will. And by God's grace, that determination to run into the storm, to say, I don't care if I lose waving this banner. It's the right banner to wave. You can question it all you want, but I will not take that banner down. If I lose, I don't care. If I win, it's by God's grace. Always be willing to lose the battle. If you're not willing to lose, you're never going to win. The seventh lesson of leadership is care enough to confront. Confront people. Confront people. We talked about love and tolerance. As a leader, I wasn't in the business of tolerating you. I'm not going to tolerate incompetence. I'm not going to tolerate laziness. I'm not going to tolerate dishonesty. If you lied to me, you were fired. If you couldn't do your job effectively, I would try to coach you and help you to get your job done. But if you couldn't do it, I would put you in a different position if there was one there for you that fits your skills. But I wasn't going to tolerate a lack of production. I wasn't going to tolerate you holding the institution back from success, I remember in the first days of my job, somebody ran into me, ran into my office actually, a faculty member. She said to me, when you were hired, we thought that you, were, you would come and protect us. The reason she said that is she was fearful that some people might be laid off. Some people might be terminated. She was fearful that there was change. Remember, my organization was a failure. I needed to break it. I needed to change it. It needed to turn around. And I looked at that person, I said, I'm not here to protect you. I'm here to protect the organization. I'm here for the mission of the institution. I'm not here for you. Now, that may, seem, may sound harsh, but had I not done that, that institution wouldn't exist today. Care enough to confront. Confront. That doesn't mean you have to fire people all the time. You can find them a different job within the organization, like I said, if there's something else for them. I very rarely fired anybody. When I did fire somebody, it was for disloyalty, incompetence, and deception. The eighth lesson of leadership, double down and refuse to give in to doubt. Everyone has his friends and his foes, but leaders are going to be criticized. If you're leading, then you will be criticized. Mark my words. But Teddy Roosevelt said this, It's not the critic who counts. Listen to this. Reading it straight out of my book. It's not the critic that counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who at worst, if he fails, at least fails, daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. In other words, your critics don't matter. You're going to get criticized. You're going to get criticized. Now, if those who offer criticism are more successful than you, listen to them. But if those challenging you haven't really done anything more than you, then you might want to just keep going. Stay the course. Double down and refuse to give in, to doubt. Pay attention to those with a bloody nose, not those that just like to talk. The ninth lesson is stay on message. I've said it before. Repetition, 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 repetition. Winston Churchill's famous speech was repetition. We shall fight. We shall fight. We shall fight. Never give in. Never, 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 never never give in. Repetition. Stay on message. Say it once. Say it twice. Say it over and over again. Wave your banner. Wave your banner and then wave it again. Shout your battle cry, and then shout it over and over again. Sooner or later, you'll find that not only do those following you believe it, but you do too. You'll convince yourself, this is worthy of my career. This is worth it. Stay on message. And if you don't have a message, you're not going to be leading anyone. The 10th lesson, the 10th lesson, and this is a great one. If you want to find a snake, listen for the rattle. Listen for the rattle. If people are criticizing you, just be quiet. Don't try to counter by doing the same thing that they do. Just be quiet. Let them criticize. Let them fuss. Let them gossip. Let them rattle on. Recognize that sooner or later, those that are watching this little show will recognize who the snake is, and it's not going to be you if you keep your mouth shut. These are the lessons of leadership. This is lesson number 20, chapter number 20 in my book, Grow Up. Life is not safe, but it's good. And if you buy the book for no other reason other than that particular chapter, I would argue it's worth it. Because whether or not you're leading a church, leading a corporation, leading a college, or leading a family, leading a spouse, Leadership matters. Leadership matters. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Leaders rebel by waving the banner of truth. And guess what? Thousands will follow. By God's grace, you might get a new game that I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.